This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, the other thing I noticed from David Stearns, third base is a competition. So the opening day third baseman will either be Beatty, Mauricio, or Vientos. And by the way, Ronnie Mauricio is playing third base in winter ball. And the other day had a three-hit, three-error game. So he pulled off the big one. The three-error, three-hit game from Ronnie Mauricio. You know what? That's fine. Just go out there and play third base every day. That, that's really all that matters. I don't care what your defense looks like. Get the experience, even if it's at winter ball. And when you come to spring training, let's see what you got. Because right now, Ronnie Mauricio, and I think that's the guy most Met fans are highest on. He was the last guy we saw get called up. He gave you some flashes in September. Ronnie Mauricio's kind of roadmap to playing, and this wasn't necessarily the only road four weeks ago when we were talking about this. Maybe he plays second base and you move McNeil to the outfield. Maybe he's the DH. Maybe he's this. Maybe there's that. It certainly sounds like his road is third base, and that's it. Because the other thing David Stern said is he envisions Jeff McNeil being the everyday second baseman and not shifting him a lot to the outfield. Look, Ronnie Mauricio playing second base and Jeff McNeil going to the outfield in a lot of ways could solve some issues. It solves the outfield issue. If you pencil, and I know you can't do it in pen because Mauricio's got to prove things, but if you move Jeff McNeil to the outfield, all of a sudden, I don't think the need for adding an everyday outfielder is there. Maybe the need is for adding a fourth outfielder, which I'm, I'd be on board for, but if you've got a McNeil, Nimmo, Marte outfield, you can live with that, but that means Mauricio's your second baseman, and who's your third baseman? No, I don't think they're going to trust both Mauricio and Beatty or Mauricio and Vientos right out the gate to be everyday players. But David Stern seems committed to Jeff McNeil at second base. And if Jeff McNeil is at second base, Ronnie Mauricio is not at second base, and they're not moving Ronnie Mauricio to the outfield, that makes it seem like third base is his way to play. DH, sure. But I think they're going to add a bat two there. I think you almost have to. So if we learned anything from David Stearns over the first few days, they're going to add an outfielder. Third base is an internal battle between the three guys I mentioned. For now, obviously, they've got other guys coming up, uh, but it won't be at the start of the season. Jet Williams isn't a part of this at the start of the season. Luis Angel Acuna is not a part of this at the start of the season. I think those are discussions for potentially in the second half, especially depending on the seasons that they have. And we know that Jeff McNeil is going to be the second baseman. As far as adding pitching is concerned, again, open-ended. 
He he said we need to add, going into the offseason, multiple starting pitchers. To me, that number is three. And you could argue four, especially if they're going to have a six-man rotation. That's why when the Mets were connected to Eric Fetty over the last couple of days, and ultimately Fetty decided to sign with the Chicago White Sox on a two-year, $14 million deal, I know that when you saw Fetty's name mentioned, there was probably a lot of Mets fans thinking, oh, Eric Fetty, what is this, Eric Fetty? And look, I'm certainly not doing gymnastics over Eric Fetty. Eric Fetty is what he is. He's a guy the Mets always beat the ass of. It's a guy with a five and a half ERA, and it's a guy who last year went to the KBO and looked like Sandy Koufax. That doesn't mean he's going to come back. He's going to be Miles Michaelis, and all of a sudden he's going to be great in America. But if they had signed Eric Fetty, which they didn't, but if they had signed Eric Fetty, here's exactly what I would have said to Pete. I would have said, I envision him as the sixth, seventh swing starter. That the Mets are going to need a six-man rotation if they're lucky enough to get Yamamoto. They very well could go six-man rotation either way, but I think it's certainly more likely if they win the services of Yoshinabu Yamamoto and that Eric Fetty as a sixth guy or seventh guy because you need pitching depth is fine. That's a fine flyer to take on a guy coming off a great season in the KBO. But if you're signing Eric Fetty to be your fourth starter or your third starter, no, I'm not going to celebrate that. That's why everything about this offseason is context. Michael Taylor, I was talking about him earlier. It's the same thing. If the Mets sign Michael Taylor and he's the fourth outfielder, he's a fine fourth outfielder. I don't have an issue with Michael Taylor as a fourth outfielder. But if Michael Taylor's playing four days a week with Nimmo shifting over to left field, not great. Then I'd have a problem with it. Well, this is why I said the last podcast, too. There is major concern. Maybe not major concern. Maybe that's a bad term. But there is some concern about the the names that the Mets have been linked to. They all feel like these, you know, role players. But there's no bit. Not, I don't want to. Let's take away the word splash. But there's no one of impact that the Mets are really connected to. And there's not many impact players available. So there's a potential. That, yeah, Michael Taylor, we bring in as maybe like a fourth outfielder, but we're going to be stuck with him playing in everyday position because there's just not enough people around. You're talking about position players specifically in this regard? That slash the pitching, too. I mean, again, you're talking yeah. about if, if, if Fetty was here and they don't get Yamamoto and they don't get, if they don't make a trade for, you know, or they, they miss out on Montgomery and Rodriguez. I mean, they, they, you're talking about these are the guys that are filling your rotation. Yeah, so two separate things. As far as the offense is concerned, especially in the outfield, I do agree with you. There isn't impact bats in the outfield. There are capable everyday major league players that you can add, and that's really all I'm looking to add. I think that some of us as Met fans have maybe different visions of what they need to do or what we expect them to do. I'm certainly not against adding superstar players. Don't get me wrong. But I never went into this offseason, other than the dream of Otani, thinking there was really any superstar, per se, that they were going to add. Yamamoto put him to the side. I guess he's a superstar. We just haven't really seen him. I want good baseball players, just good, solid major leaguers, you know? And in the outfield, there's a lot of Verdugo-like. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's an upgrade. Yeah, it's a major leaguer. 
But no, it's not going to get your nipples all, you know, hard. It's not going to, you know, make you go nuts. I think there's more flexibility when it comes to DH. I mentioned this guy's name a while ago, but if they go out and sign Reese Hoskins and said, you know what, Reese, here's a one-year deal, mash, just mash in this one-year deal. You're going to play mostly DH. Occasionally, you'll play first base for a Pete Alonso off day. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. That is a, I don't want to call that an impact bat. I guess it's how you define it. But that's a bat that on paper can improve this lineup. I mean, we just witnessed Daniel Vogel back at DH all year last year. You know, a guy like a Reese Hoskins on a one-year deal is not bad. It's not a superstar. But I don't think, at least for me, my bar is superstar. I always thought going into this offseason, you have Otani and you have Yamamoto. And outside of that, there was really no superstar. A, I wanted the Mets to target, or B, they were realistically going to target. The Otani thing, yeah, it, it doesn't look as if he has any interest in coming here. Wouldn't stop me from making a big offer if I'm Steve Cohen, by the way, but it certainly doesn't sound positive. And look, we know the deal with Yamamoto. The Mets want him. Everybody wants him. The Mets should make the biggest offer. I hope they make the biggest offer. And then ultimately, you hope he takes the biggest offer. If he takes less money to go to the Yankees or less money to go to the Giants, it'll suck, but just make the biggest offer. That's the way I view that. Now, here's where I would disagree about the pitching. Yamamoto is the biggest reward guy because he's the potential ace. And I'd agree with you. There's no one else out there in free agency. And I am more of a free agent guy than I am trade for somebody, as I've made very, very clear. I think the grouping of guys that the Mets have interest in, or even I'd have interest in, all kind of fit that middle of the rotation road. So that could be disappointing to many, but if you added two more reliable arms that are middle of the rotation guys, and I used last time to you Jordan Montgomery and Eduardo Rodriguez, I said they improved their rotation. They went out, maybe it wasn't the sexiest thing in the world, but if they walk away with three starters and it's Montgomery, Rodriguez, and Severino, I'm not complaining about it, especially if they made their best effort to get Yamamoto. Now, the Mets have been connected with another guy that we've talked a little bit about. I'm curious to get your take on it. I'll give you my take on it, and that's Lucas Giolito. John Paul Morosi recently tweeted that there are five teams interested in Lucas Giolito, and the Mets are one of them. Uh, you want to go first? Your thoughts on Lucas Giolito as a target? <laughs> Yeah, sure. I mean, listen, I going into last year, he was a name I think we both spoke about that maybe could be a trade deadline acquisition or somebody that could be uh, a potential upgrade. He had such a bad year last year, if I'm correct, or second half. I remember it just, it just wasn't good. His and, last 12 starts after he was traded and claimed on waivers by Cleveland, were they weren't bad. That would be too nice. They were atrocious. They were an right. atrocity of awfulness. Right. So that concerns me. So now you're going to, if you brought in Giolito, if your rotation was one of Montgomery Rodriguez, Giolito, uh, Sanga, Severino, and Quintana, there's too many question marks 
that and that that's my issue is you need more stability. So I I know he might give you innings, but they might not be good innings. Yeah, and that, that look, the last thing you said is his strength and it shouldn't be ignored, and that's the fact that of anyone out there, he has probably given you the longest track record of taking the baseball every 5 days. And and there's there's something to that. You know, I, earlier in the offseason, I pointed out that Kyle Gibson was a guy I was intrigued by, and I got attacked by some Mets fans saying, look at his numbers, he stinks. And my retort was, yeah, I'm not arguing that he isn't great, but he's reliable. And I know there's no way to really calculate this. There's no stat that calculates this. But if you've got a guy giving you 180 innings, even if that 188 inning, 180 innings leads to a 4.5 ERA, is that more valuable? than a guy who's going to give you 60 innings less with an ERA that's a half a run less. Because when that guy is not pitching, or when that guy leaves a game early, those 60 innings need to be replaced. And if those 60 innings are being replaced by really bad, crappy starting pitching, and so if you combine those numbers, and all of a sudden it's not a 4-5 ERA, it's a 4-8 ERA, what would you rather have? And then there's the other thing that you can't calculate, by having to replace somebody in your rotation a lot because they're not reliable, you may be taking guys from the minor leagues to pitch who aren't giving you a lot of innings, and now you're forcing your bullpen to pitch a lot more. And so there's there's no way, even with all these new age stats, to calculate it, but you hear what I'm saying. Like, there's a value to innings that's not as simple as, but Lucas Giolito had a 480 ERA last year. Like, I get it. Of course he had a four. He did not have a good year last year. He didn't have a good year the year before that. Like, I, I get all that. But he also took the baseball every five days. And if you don't take the baseball every five days, there's a trickle down that really hurts your team. Well, no, that was what happened last year. Why the, the Mets bullpen was just shot right away. We couldn't get into the fourth and fifth inning with a lot of these pitchers. Yeah. You know, because Verlander wasn't there. Scherzer wasn't effective. Quintana couldn't pitch. It was disgusting. So, yeah, you're going to, you know, abuse your bullpen from the get-go. But, again, you're right. It, it really comes down to what's the most effective way to get nine innings worth of, uh, you know, solid pitching. It, I'd still prefer to get it. Uh, some some form of ace that would be nice 